Welcome to the Venture Church Podcast of Venture Church in South Mississippi. Find out more about us at VentureChurch.org. I'll tell you, I love this series that we're in. And before I kind of roll into that, let me tell you what happened, because I've had a lot of people ask me, and I had a ruptured bicep tendon and uh, got it fixed. Um, I have huge biceps, so it was really painful. It was a huge, there was a major surgery with a big bicep that was rolled up and said they'd never seen anything like it before. And, uh, <clears throat> but it was so unique, you know, you've been somewhere a long time, you get to see people grow up. And, and the guy that operated on my arm and drilled a hole in my arm was a third grader when I came to Hattiesburg. And yeah, yeah. And when he walked in, he said, hey, you know, I'm going to pray over you. It was a weird moment to have a young kid who was a surgeon, a great surgeon who is, loves the Lord. And I thought, man, that's what it's all about. It, it's about Christian businessmen. You can own a business and you can be a Christian. I'm telling you, you can do it. You can do it God's way. You can even be a lawyer and be a Christian. That, I'm sorry. That's not an oxymoron. You, you can be, I know a lot of lawyers. I, I know I got all kind of jokes. You don't want me to go there. No, stop it. But, uh, but you know, you can, you can work like in the, in the food industry and be a Christian, you know. Uh, you, you can take your job seriously. And it just like, you know, Chick-fil-A, you know, we keep praying that they'll open back up. Uh, I went over and laid hands on a tractor and said, Lord, just help a Jesus chicken come out. Okay, so, <clears throat> so anyway, uh, but we're in a series on the Enneagram, and it's called the Nine because there are nine different uh, personality types, wirings, and you say, I don't believe in that. Well, you're just <laughs> ignorant because we all have a personality. You know, it's not like anything other than this is how you're wired. This is how you work. It's like the disc profile. It's like all these other things. It, it reveals to you some about your strengths and weaknesses, and, and here's the reason why we do this. Until Now, this is deep. Until you get you, you won't really get anybody else. I'm telling you, some of you are young. We've got a lot of young people coming to venture. Let me tell you, before you find the right man or woman, you better be the right man or woman, uh, or you're going to have a lot of trouble. I find this all the time in counseling. You know, people don't really deal with who they are. They don't deal with the strengths and weaknesses. They don't deal with the cardinal sin. This is the cool thing about the nine. Every number has its core sin. Like, like, like the core thing that will bring you down the quickest. And if you know that, you can kind of build some bridges around it through the grace of God to miss that because when you get unaligned with the gospel, all of a sudden you're in trouble. And so today we're going to talk about the fours. The reason our crowd is down, a lot of people don't understand the fours. The fours are unique. Uh, there's not as many fours. You're special. And if you've got a child that's a four, I mean, fours are the individualists. They're the romantic. They feel deeply. They don't have to be in front of everybody. They don't have to lead the pack. If you've got a child that's a four, don't try to make them into the head cheerleader if they don't want to be. If you've got a son that's a four and he don't want to be the captain of the football team, don't make him. If you've got kids that they kind of march to the beat of a different drummer and you keep pushing them into social circles they're uncomfortable with, you're going to regret it. 
You know, let them be who they are. If you're a four, you're special, you're amazing, you're wonderful. You know, I have no four at all in me, and so I need fours around me. We have some fours, one or two on our staff. I've hurt most of the fours' feelings, and they've quit. But, but the reality is we need you, I can't believe I said that, on our team because you're special. Now, we're going to look at a four today in the Bible and uh, he's insecure, he's in the shadows, he, he compares himself to other people. He's been a person all these years that I've studied the Bible that I've never liked. You know, sometimes you read the Bible and you have a character, you go, I just don't like that guy. And the reason I didn't like him is because I didn't understand him. Hello. There's a lot of people in your life, you just don't like them. You immediately don't like them because you don't get them, because you don't get you. And so when you see this guy, you're like, he's not a great figure. Yes, he is. He's the very first king of Israel. God chose a four to be king. And for 42 years, this guy served as the king of Israel. He's a great guy. He's a loyal guy. He's a great father. Okay, you, we're going to talk about Samuel in a second, and this is in the book of First and Second Samuel. Samuel is a prophet. Samuel is a leader. Samuel, you know, is probably an A. Samuel is a terrible dad. I mean, a lot of times leaders, you're great at what you do in your business. You're terrible at home. That's a whole other series I'm going to do at some point. I got all these things in me. I want to get out there, but but the reality is, Saul's a good guy, but Saul is a four. Now, let me give you the background real quick. I'm going to bounce around. I'm going to cover a lot of chapters, but I'm going to do it quickly, and I'm going to make some points that you can write down so that you can have them. Uh, the people of God wanted a king. They had judges. They had you know, Samuel. They had prophets, and they said, no, we want a king. <laughs> and God said, no. You know, Samuel said, no, you've got a king. It's God. They said, no, we want a physical king. We want a person. And so Samuel goes and he says, I want you to choose Saul. He's a big guy, 6'4", big country, number four. He's in the shadows. He's a little embarrassed. And here's the first thing that you get about the four is that God chooses fours to lead. Now, I want you to get that because we got a lot of fours at Venture that God has called you to do something and you're not willing to do it because you're embarrassed, you're, you're concerned. You feel, no, I just don't have enough training. No, I sinned one time in junior high. No, I've got, you know, you've got all these reasons why you won't lead and God says, no, I'm calling you. You've got the right gifts. You're the right person. I mean, God is even using a four to lead the kingdom of God and, and, and he's calling you. And so here's the cool thing, you know, Samuel comes to town and he, he finds Saul, he anoints him in a private ceremony, and then Saul's uncle, this is what's so cool about Forrest, Saul's uncle asks him, you know, I know Samuel is a strong guy, what he say to you? And Saul goes, oh, nothing, nothing. See, see Forrest don't like to be known, they like to be in the shadows, they're scared, like I'm not sure I can handle it, I'm not sure I can do that. Forrest, and this is the cool thing, when he comes to town to Mizpah where Saul is from and he calls us, we have, a, we have a new king of Israel. His name is Saul. And they're like, where's Saul? Where's Saul? It should be easy to find him. He's like 6'4". I mean, you know, you're going, hey, where is he? He's hiding in the baggage. Why? Because fours carry a lot of baggage. They're, they're not sure they have what it takes. They're not sure they're up for the job. Now, eights, now the eights in the room, and I'm, I'm an eight. I can't wait to preach on that, of course. 
And uh, they just going, I'll be the, I'll be the king. I, I, I can do that. They should have called me anyway. I should have started with me. The ones are like, well, I've crunched the numbers, you know, actuarially speaking. It makes sense that I'm the king. The twos are like, well, I can make everybody comfortable. Everybody be happy. Everybody be wonderful. We'll give everybody everything for free. The threes are like, I can make this work. We can be successful. <laughs> but God called a four. And, and here's the thing about when God calls you, I want you to get this. You can run from God, but you can't hide. Listen, Moses was a three-winged four. And when God called him and said, I want you to go back to, to Pharaoh and say, let my people go. He said, I can't talk, talk, good, good. He said, I don't care. It's not about you. It's not about your ability. It's about your availability. It's about you being faithful to my calling on your life. And God wants to use you. Jonah is the same way. When God said, go and speak against Nineveh, he goes, no, I'm going to be a fugitive. And God says, no, I want to use you. And sometimes for fours, something has to happen like it happened to Saul when he came in from plowing because there was no palace. He was the first king. So he's out plowing and he comes into his village and the people are crying. And he says, why are y'all crying? He said, they feel deeply for people. Why are you crying? Why are you so upset? Well, well the Ammonites said they're going to gather their eyes out. He goes, hold on a second. And the Bible says the spirit of the Lord came on him. Listen, that's what you want. You, you want the spirit of the Lord to come on your life where you're aligned with God, you know who you are, you know what you've been called to do, and all of a sudden you get creative. All of a sudden you do things that nobody else would do. And this is what he does. He goes and gets his oxen he's been plowing with. I know this is a little nasty, but he cuts it into 12 pieces and sends it to the tribes of Israel and says, may this be done to every person that does not follow Saul and Samuel. Now, now he, he's growing in leadership. I mean, there's some of you, you're not great leaders yet, but you can grow in leadership. And instead of saying, follow me the king, he says, follow me and Samuel. Because I need help. <laughs> and, and, and he faces for the first time something that you're going to face. He faces criticism. There's a verse in the Bible that said, 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse 27, a lot of the people, a lot of the men said, Can this, this guy can't save us. This guy's not the right coach. This guy's not the right teacher. This guy's not the right preacher. This guy's not the right president. And, and for a lot of you, if you're going to lead, you need to realize you're going to be criticized. People are going to lie about you. People are going to disinvite you. It, it goes with the territory. And for fours, this is where you really struggle because fours are overly sensitive to criticism. When people around you, when you start leading and, or you start making changes at work or you kind of lead in a different direction or you set the bar a little higher and you get a little criticism, you think, oh, I must be doing something wrong because they're all great people. They're all smart people. They're all better than me. Then all of a sudden you do partial obedience instead of full obedience. Let me tell you, partial obedience with God is disobedience. And God came to Saul, and he came through Samuel the prophet. He said, I want you to go find the, the Ammonites or Malachites, one of the kites. And he said, I want you to go and wipe them out because they are, they're terrorists. They're crazy people. They're, they're like on terrorists on steroids, and I want them gone. It's not about conquering them. It's about judgment. I want them all gone, and Saul gets weak. And so I want you to hear this in 1 Samuel chapter 15, beginning with verse 10. Uh, he says this, and the word of the Lord came to Samuel. And these are terrifying words if you're a leader. He says, I regret that I have made Saul king. 
because he has turned away from me. He's not carried out my instructions. And Samuel was angry because he loved Saul. Everybody loved Saul. Everybody was loyal to Saul. And he cried out to the Lord all night long. But early in the morning, Samuel got up and he went out to meet Saul. But he was told, Saul has gone to Carmel. And there he had set up a monument in his own honor. He built a big building, put his name on it. He says he's turned down to go to Gilgal. And when Samuel reached him, this is what Saul said. You think he's got a guilty conscience? The Lord bless you. I've carried out all the Lord's instructions. And Samuel said, well, what's the bleeding of sheep I hear in my ears? What is the lowing of cattle that I hear? And Saul answered, the soldiers brought them from the Amalekites and they spared the best of the sheep and cattle to sacrifice to the Lord, but we totally destroyed everything else. Enough, Samuel said. Let me tell you what the Lord said to me. Okay, well, tell me what he said. Although you were once small in your own eyes, did you not become the head of the tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you king over Israel. He sent you on a mission saying, go and completely destroy the wicked people, the Amalekites, wage war against them until you've wiped them out. Why did you not obey the Lord? Why did you pounce on the plunder and do evil in the eyes of the Lord? But I did obey the Lord, Saul said. I went on the mission the Lord assigned me. I completely destroyed the Amalekites. I brought back Agag, the king, and the soldiers. They took the sheep and cattle from the plunder and the, blessed of what was the, the best of what was devoted to God in order to sacrifice them to the Lord your God at Gilgal. We're going to have a big church service. And Samuel said, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice. To heed is better than the fat, fat of rams. For your rebellion is like the sin of divination and arrogance like the evil of idolatry because you have rejected the word of the Lord and he's rejected you as king. And you're going, what does all that mean? It means that if you're not careful for us, you can let your feelings trump the facts of what God's called you to do. You're an individualist. You like to do your own thing. You like to do it your own way. You don't like to be to told what to do. You're a romantic. You like for things to work out the way you'd like for them to work out. And that's why when he came back at verse 19, and Samuel says, why didn't you obey the Lord? He goes, I did obey the Lord. Have you ever done that where, where like you know that, you know, like God, you, God told you to do something, you know something was wrong, and somehow in your mind you made yourself think it was right? See, fours under stress, when you're really stressed, your voice in your head begins to sound like the voice of God. And the things you begin to tell yourself, if you're not careful under pressure, you're going to say, this is what God is telling me to do. I can't tell you the number of times I've been in counseling. I kid you not, and I can't tell you who or when and where and now these have happened in years and years because I don't do counseling because it made me cray-cray. But, but, there, but people would come and go, you know what, I'm, I'm, God has led me to cheat on my wife. And I can't tell you how that's gone down with me. It's just been cool because I'm an eight. And it's just fun, the, the torture that I bring to those people. I go, oh, really? Well, I, yeah, let me, let's see, well, what, now show me where that is because I, I need to know that one because I may come in handy one day because, you know, at least you ain't been working out too good. And so, you know, see what I'm saying? But, but under pressure, if you're not careful and you're being criticized and you're being pressed and everybody else at work is doing it, then all of a sudden you think God is telling you to do something that's wrong because all of a sudden you're a little bit nervous. Let me tell you a couple of things, Forrest. Number one, feelings aren't facts. I want you to get that. The feelings in your life are the caboose. They're not the engine in your life. 
And when God gives you a command, he's not making a suggestion. He's not saying, well, you know, when you, hey, when it works out for you, because I know you got it going on, would you do this? No, no, he's going, you know, this is, this is my will. This is my plan. This is what I'm doing. And see, this is what will happen. This is what Saul does. I, 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 I carried all the instructions of the Lord. You know what he starts? He starts blaming. Well, the, well the, men, the men that were with me, they decided to keep the sheep because they had some good-looking sheep, okay? And we're going to offer those to the Lord. We're going to have a big worship service, and we're going to give those to the Lord, okay? And the men wanted that, and he starts bargaining. He goes, you know, you know we're going to have the, this. is what people do with God with regard to church. Well, I'll tell you what, God, if you'll let me off, I'll go to church on Easter. That's why our crowds are huge on Easter. People have been making bargains all year long. Well, I'm going to sing. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And if you'll let the saints beat the cowboys, I'll be, you know, I mean, that's how we work God. Like, look, God ain't on you. Listen, you got to be on his team. Now, I know God loves the saints, but that's a whole other sermon. But, but you start, and then if you're not careful, you'll go to bullying. See, when you get convicted and somebody kind of kind of seals in on you, I've seen a lot in what I do, and uh, I, I'm a pretty big guy, so I hadn't gotten a lot of pushback. But if you're not careful, there'll be some bullying going on. If you've seen Suits, and I'm not saying watch it, I'm not saying I watch that, but, but that, that deal Suits and that, that psychological bullying that they do, they're kind of working and manipulating. And if you're not careful, when you get convicted, instead of repenting, you'll begin to bully people in your life and gaslight them and make them think, that what you're doing is right. And then they get to the core sin of the four, and that's envy. And you feel so deeply when you look at Instagram and you see where everybody else is going and where everybody else is eating. You're at home eating a bologna sandwich. (laughs) And it just kills you. And, And comparisons kill your joy. You know that, don't you? Like when you're driving out of the parking lot today, you know, if you've got a car like mine and you pull up beside a car that's you know, like a new car, you can smell it from wherever where you are. You can smell the new smell in it. You know, you're mad already. For, I have this old piece of trash, you know, the Lord, I, I don't know why I come to, you know. And, and, and Instagram is what you've got, but what they had in the Old Testament is they had music. And they would sing things. And, and, I'm, and I think it's an Old Testament rap. I'm not kidding you. I'm not going to go into it. I'm not going to rap it. I want to desperately. They won't let me anymore. I've been banned. I've been put in timeout from rapping. But this, he, he came in one day uh, for, into the city, and, and he, heard, he, he heard this song. He says, Saul is slain his thousands. And they were rapping it. And, they, and David is slain his ten thousands. Saul was so angry. They're attributing to David. David, my servant, he, he's a shepherd. They're attributing to him 10,000, me only 1,000. What is it? He's sitting at dinner one night. He, he is so angry. He is envious, man. He is caught up with him. And, and he's sitting at dinner and he sees David at the end of the table. This is in the Bible. You need to read the Bible. And he takes the, 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 the spear and he throws it at David. And David, being a skilled hunter, he turns and it misses him. And he goes into the wall and he runs off. Listen, 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 fours. Put down your spear and put down your smartphone. Because you're not going to find your value in what you see in other people's hands 
1 Samuel 15, 17, he says this to Saul, and this is so powerful, and I don't do it justice. He said, you were small in your own eyes. You were hiding in the baggage. You were hiding in the baggage, and God made you king of Israel. If God made you great, nobody can make you to be small. He says, don't you get that? Don't you find that your identity is rooted in who God says you are? Not who your men say you are. Not who your friends say you are. Not who the ladies that are rapping say you are. Your identity is found in God. And unless you can receive the good news, you'll never be able to deal with the bad news. I can't tell you how important that is. It's taken me a lifetime and I still struggle because I'm an eight. I'm a performer. I like to rock and roll. I like to do good. I, I loved it last night and I keep trying to not brag on Clemson because I just don't, I don't like Clemson football because they beat Alabama. And... Um, I was so excited. I watched the game against North Carolina and I was praying. I got on my knee. The reason North Carolina did so well is my prayers. And at the end, I had to go to the bathroom and I come back and they lose the game. And, 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 they, and they, they interviewed the quarterback, you know, the, the diva looking guy that I didn't like him at first because I thought, he's such a diva. Got the Kentucky waterfall, you know, and and uh, until last night, and they were, I'm sorry, I got issues. I'm an eight. And, uh, but until last night, because they were interviewing, they said, well, how'd you feel about playing terrible? You know, that's how brutal they are with these kids when they interviewed them. How'd you feel about really, you know, being horrible? You know what that kid said? He said, well, you know, I have found that uh, my identity and performance is not based in what I do. It's based on what Jesus Christ did for me on the cross. And I went, because they can't clap my hands. I still want them to never beat Alabama, but I am shocked that he is so right. This is what the sermon is saying. That if you build a monument to yourself, he's coming back from a monument. I don't know what your monument is. I wonder what his monument was. I think it was something cool. I, I don't know. You know, maybe he's a four. He probably designed it himself, okay? He probably drew up the deal and had it all built, and he's, he's skipping back because he's got a monument. I don't know what your monument is. Maybe it's your business. Maybe it's your family. Maybe it's your looks. Maybe it's your money. But whatever it is, if it's not Jesus, you're doomed. Because it can't last. It won't last. Listen, the gospel is real simple. Jesus Christ came to give you life, a new life, a new identity. If you can receive that and understand that, nothing the world does to you will make you doubt yourself to be insecure, be anxious ever again. Hebrews 10 says this way, God desires obedience, not sacrifice. He said, what does that mean? It means that God's not out of you just coming to church when you can, looking good. Can y'all looking great? It's about your heart. It's about obedience. It's about wanting to do what he says. And you say, well, that makes me nervous because I don't always want to do what he says. I don't either. Can I, can I be honest with you? When we were doing PT this week and, and she pulled my arm down, I sinned. <laughs> I, I did. I didn't want to, but I did. It just happened so quick. I don't know. 
And, but, but here's the good news. It's not about you being perfect. Hebrews 10.10 says, For we are made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus once and for all. Did you get that? You've been made right with God, not because of your obedience, but because of Jesus' obedience once and for all. That our monument as believers is the cross of Jesus Christ. The most vandalized monument in the history of mankind. That's been painted and tagged with all of your sin and all of your rebellion. The Bible says in Isaiah, when you looked at him, that he was marred beyond recognition. You didn't even realize he was a man. We're all vandals. You say, where are you getting this from? Tuesday morning when we had a guy vandalize the church. Four o'clock in the morning. Of all the things, you use red spray paint. Red spray paint. And when Columbia Block and Brick, the Pittmans, who are Christians, said, we're, we're coming right over, and they began to wash. I, as I was wash, watching that red wash down that white brick wall, I thought, man, this is going to be good now. It's going to be good now. Because you need to understand, that's all of us. We've all vandalized Jesus. And it was his blood that washed all of your sins clean. And here's the thing about God. When you put yourself on his radar, when you get yourself in his sights, the hounds of heaven are tracking you, brah. Google it. And he's on your trail. But here's the thing I want the vandals to know, including myself, especially the misguided four with the red spray can. Spray cans. He's after you to love you. He's already taken out all of his wrath and all of his judgment on the cross. And any question you might have about anything, you don't come in the dark, you bring it into the light. Because Jesus loves you and wants to set you free. And we're not mad at you, we're mad about you. Because if you understood who Jesus is, the greatest revolutionary of all time, who was hung on a tree for all the people that were broken and poor and misunderstood and misguided, you would run to Jesus. You say, well, what does all that mean? Let me tell you, if you're a vandal, this is what God says to you. And this is your invitation. He won't put you in a box. You want to have different thoughts. You want to have different feelings. He'll let you ask questions. He'll let you figure it out. We don't try to put you in a box. We try to enter a discussion with you, a conversation. He'll accept how deeply you feel. Jesus wept, my favorite verse in the Bible. He gets you if you're a four. He gets it. He gets how you feel. 
He gets how you can't communicate everything you want to say and do. His banner over you is love. And Zephaniah, if I, if I had time to tell you, it basically means that when, when he sees you, he sings over you. I don't know if anybody's ever sang over you. I sang over my grandkids until they got older. And then they're like, Bops, you're not a good singer. But when they were little, I would sing over them and they would coo. And there was nothing they could do for me. But it didn't matter what they did. It's who they were. <laughs> that I loved them so much and he loves you so much. He'll turn all those feelings into you doing something to help other people. All those feelings you've got pent up and you want to do something that's destructive, he'll let you do something that's constructive to change the world because here's the bottom line and this is the word that got me the most. It wasn't all the other stuff. It was that the dead walk with God. The dead don't walk with God, bro. The dead go to a place in the Old Testament called Sheol, the place of the dead. It's the living that walk with God, baby. It's the living. You're never more alive than when you stop breathing and you take the hand of Jesus Christ and you step over into the beauty part of eternity. You're never more alive than you are at that moment. And what's happening, we're making the darkness tremble, baby. That's what the light does. It dispels the darkness. It's okay. It's okay. But I've got a prayer for you before I keep going on and get a little crazier than I am. I'm not on pain meds right now, so it's, you can't blame it. Blame that. We're going to pray together for fours, and I want everybody to pray this. And maybe you're at home, maybe you're traveling, and I don't want you to look away from driving, but I'm going to say this together in a prayer for everybody. All pray, because fours won't pray by themselves. So we're going to pray with him. You ready? Thank you, Father, for allowing us to feel deep emotions. Help us also follow your commands when it doesn't feel right. Help us see our uniqueness and love the way you made us. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would bow your heads and close your eyes. I'm going to tell you, the fours are the ones I've been most concerned about. Because no matter what I say, you're still thinking, well, yeah, I know, but that's not me. I still can't do it. I'm still, I still don't measure up. I still can't do that. I'm still not worthy. I, listen, God loved you so much. He sent Jesus for you. He loves the way you're wired. He loves the way you feel. He loves the way you listen to people that are hurting. He loves the way you worship because you feel it throughout your whole body. And we love you. Father in heaven, I thank you today that you have made us each like a snowflake, unique and special and wonderful and amazing. And God, I pray for every person that's listening to my voice. And there are a lot of people that are like, I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it. God, I'm not selling it. If you reveal yourself to them, if you open up their eyes, they will know you. And that's our only prayer. We're not here to convince them. We're here to let you convict them. And we pray that happens. In Jesus' name I pray.
Thank you for joining us for the Venture Church Podcast. To find a campus near you, check out VentureChurch.org.